You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Hello, I'm Sue Bose. Welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. Oh, what a tumultuous time we're having. Uh, we've got the third prime minister in pretty much as many months, and we've got an energy crisis, cost of living crisis, you name it, crisis, we've got it. Although the weather's not too bad, so that's always quite a good thing. But we're really in a fluctuating position right now with more volatile markets than we've probably ever seen since the uh, market deregulation in the 1980s and 90s. So what does this all mean? Where will we go? How can you navigate through these very, very choppy waters when it comes to the markets. And let's be honest, our new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, obviously it comes from the background of being a financial person, but no one is able to predict what's going on right now with the markets. But we all have to find a way around that. So that's the subject of our podcast today, how we navigate around it, what can we use that we've learned. And I'm delighted to say I'm an expert who knows all about it, market analyst extraordinaire, Vanda Kakas. Vanda, how are you? Hi, good morning, Samit. How are you? I'm okay. Very good. Now, you work for Central Group Business Solutions uh, Supply, uh, which is also British Gas Business, people would know the name. Let's just start uh, with a very simple one. <laughs> have you ever seen anything like this, Vanda? Um, no, not to be honest. Um, I have to say that... Um, you know, I joined British Gas Business at the time, and then obviously now we are CBS Supply, uh, sort of like tapping into our Centrica Business Solutions business division. So we're becoming one. I joined the company about four and a half years ago. Uh, I come from the insurance industry. Oh, uh, and I, oh. <laughs> and I, I thought I was joining, you know, the energy market was uh, very quiet and nothing happened because it's a utility right so you expect things yeah, to be yeah. very very stable and no because the first thing we experienced back in 2018 was the east from the beast mm. um, and already back back there we had one or two suppliers went under and then subsequently there was a major energy broker as well that collapsed so you might remember those those uh, that yeah thing. absolutely so i joined an industry that already was uh you know, changing and nothing of the kind of image you have of utilities. But, you know, not much insurance policy would pay out right now, would it? It's, a, it's an incredibly, I don't know, it's a global market going through tumultuous change. It's a market that's changing constantly. On the day of recording this today, uh, we, we've just seen that prices for, for gas have gone down, but they might well go up by the time this podcast comes out. It's so difficult, isn't it, to, to see where things are going because there's so much going on globally affecting energy. Absolutely. And that makes it very difficult for suppliers to actually price as well. You probably know about suppliers pulling out of the market just yeah. a few weeks ago yeah. in September. And then if you cast your mind back to late February when uh, Russia decided to invade Ukraine as well. Again, another period of turmoil for energy suppliers. And we want to do the best for our customers. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, every single team in CBS supply and, you know, our peers as well, I have to say, 
and the energy brokers, we know we're all working uh, for our customers, but market conditions just make it very, very difficult sometimes. So, you know, one, some of the best decisions then sometimes is just to just not to offer products, contracts that are not going to work for our customer. And that, that has been a big issue, hasn't it? We're going to explore that in a moment. Let's, let's look at something. You produce a quarterly report, don't you, which, which goes out to a customer base. So looking at this last quarter that's just gone, what was your report saying? Go and, go and run away. <laughs> uh, yes, just, just briefly, of course, uh, we produced this uh, quarterly report uh, where we try to share as much insight as possible with, with our customers, with our customer base, and also with our partners, with energy brokers and consultants. And this quarter, for instance, we have about four or five different sections. Clearly, uh, the biggest story right now is government intervention in the form of the energy prices bill. Yeah. As we know, this is about to be approved by, uh, it's, it's been already through the House of Commons, and it's going to become law pretty soon because it's on an emergency legislation basis. So that's the first thing that we touch. It, it's almost not, it's almost impossible not to mention it. Um, and w- what we do is we just don't repeat what's been said or what's in, on the government website. We try to provide a bit more, more detail. So the second topic is that the discount on wholesale prices is not the full picture. Uh, as your energy bill will include non-commodity costs as well. And we have gone one step further than at least what I've seen from our peers and and from energy brokers. We we provide a bit more detail, a breakdown of the unit rate understanding charge, for instance, for a you know representative business, a medium-sized business, if you like, and, yeah. and, and provide more, you know, more, more information so that our customers and our partners understand how your energy bill is actually structured. It's not just as simple as say the unit rate understanding charge. There are non-commodity charges there. There's it, it's a bit more detail. So that that's the second story. And the num, num the next one is you just mentioned this uh we have seen energy prices declining already just when even the government was uh thinking about intervention in the market and that we've seen that in europe as well so energy prices have definitely come down and you know all of them if you like so day ahead month ahead season ahead for energy suppliers like like our business, we tend to, as you know, Summit, we tend to focus more on medium to long-term contracts, so, so the so-called forward curves. Yeah. So that's the, that was the other theme. Uh, then we look at what's happening with non-commodity costs as well. So we provide our customers with uh, an update on some of the main elements in, in, in non-commodities, you know, uh, for example, you know, BESUS, you know, balancing services use of system, distribution, transmission, renewable obligations, uh, and, 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 and the rest. And finally, uh, something that we update every quarter, actually we update it every month, but obviously publish it uh, every quarter is our belief that the UK is on track to, to reach another, another milestone when it comes to green energy. We believe that 2022 is on track to be the UK greenest year uh, with actually more and cheaper renewables to come in the next five years. Let's just park that now and, and, and look at where we are now. If you're a business, as you say, for the real small micro businesses, and you know we're one ourselves, you know, our energy bill, the landlord passes on a share, right? We're in a fixed office with several other tenants and we all get a share of that. Now, luckily, we've just moved office to a much better landlord who's 
got green energy and doing things. But obviously, you know, we haven't got our own independent metering points or things like that. For the midsize and the large, where things get more and more complicated, then the ability to know what's going on becomes more and more vital, doesn't it? So when you look at your bill and you look at the commodity and non-commodity prices, right now, what would you say if you're running a business, should you be worried about kind of the price of commodity, you know, the actual commodity of gas, electricity, because that kind of seems to be what has been driving things? Or do you have to keep an eye on these other things as well, like you said, the non-commodity transmission charges, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, I mean the ratio of commodity to non-commodity costs, as a you know, as a, in in your structure of your uh, cost stack, you will see that on average, uh, commodity was around forty percent for the last few years, and yeah. non-commodity was you know as much as sixty percent, obviously sixty forty. Um, but then, starting in early twenty twenty one we see a change, we see a step change with yeah. commodity because of wholesale energy prices, of course, becoming bigger and, and greater. That's a proportion of the cost stack, remember. But that, and then what, what we get to in quarter three is about 84%, 16%, a split between uh, commodity and non-commodity. And I have seen um, sort of a energy... Broker. I mean, that's staggering, isn't it? The, the way it's changed. And I assume that that is all to do... You know, I've heard, I've read lots of things and we've had people on the podcast series that we do. And there are two things people talk about, which is, let's talk pre-Ukraine war, that there was a bigger bounce back post-COVID than people expected. Indeed. In indeed. The year 20. Yeah, and, and that globally, the demand for... For energy and gas in particular, LNG, rocketed, didn't it? Yes. I mean, just a, just as, as an aside, Summit, I was uh, a year ago, I was sort of, a, I was invited to a Halloween party by some friends. And, and my outfit was actually a gown where I drew a chart of gas prices. And, and already sort of our gas prices were scarily high. That's, that was the, the writing on my on my outfit so mm. these crises have started way you know way before way before uh, yeah. yeah way before and then, and then and then obviously the russia ukraine war exacerbated the situation exactly. but where we are today is 84 commodity and 16 percent commodity now on the face of it you would say oh well you know there's, there's no much i can commodity. do is there That's yes um but again the underlying in abstract terms, in absolute, sorry, in absolute terms, non-commodities are still rising. Remember that some of these commodity, non-commodity elements are actually linked to inflation. With high inflation, mm. then this will go up as well. Some other elements are also uh, sort of, a, they behave in the same way as uh, wholesale prices. If wholesale prices rise, some of these non-commodity elements will also increase. So in absolute terms, they are still increasing. Uh, there are others that have declined. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we have also the many additional charges from the, uh, I think something you mentioned in your previous podcast, you know, the, the collapse of uh, energy suppliers yes. last year. Yes. So we and, still and have... I think that, that's a fair point, actually, which is perhaps we as consumers forget this. At the end of the day, there is a cost to all those uh, collapses. We took, you know, the news is all about bulb in the press right now and how much that is costing... And that, that cost has to be picked up somewhere, doesn't it? Because you yourselves and other suppliers picked up loads more customers, particularly on the domestic side, 
and that all involves a cost of, of, of providing supply. Indeed. Again, uh, we have not seen the end of that yet. Uh, as I understand that uh, the reports are that, you know, running bulb, for instance, is costing the government, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that needs to be recovered by, and that needs to be paid by someone, yes. So if we're looking at this and you sit there and you're the business person, you, as you said, yes, you've got to keep an eye on the non-commercial costs because they're in for the inflation. But this part here, the 80-odd percent you've talked about, what can we do? This, this, I suppose this is really where we get to this thing, which uh, I've heard it put very b- bizarrely by some people, and I won't repeat what they said, but the, the gist of it, there's a the sentiment here, which is actually all of this is actually not terrible news in the longer term because it's going to force us to shift to net zero and force us to use energy efficiency and force us to say how much. I mean, we're doing it in our personal lives, you know, turning off lights, making sure we're trying to... And I'm not saying that there, there isn't a real hard cost for all of us, particularly people who are suffering right now financially, that it's, it's brutal. But there is an, there's a sort of narrative that if you can get through this pain, this may trigger a change and accelerate um, the, the reduction of energy uh, usage. Well, where do you sit on that? Because that's... So a lot of businesses are looking at, at things now in a very different light because the commodity price is so driving their bills. Again, spot on, I think, in my view. And what I have seen in terms of the evidence is, for example, in Europe, some of the uh, additional measures to uh, save energy, you know, obviously the weather has been quite uh, has helped as well yes yes um, definitely but definitely there is a a bit of demand destruction as they call it in the industry uh, with you know households and businesses as well being more more careful with their energy use in europe following you know a campaign by in germany for instance trying to influence users not to use as much energy as, as before uh, certainly putting uh, has actually probably accelerated the transition by by making it more difficult obviously for companies to to rely on standard energy if you like in the same way that companies were forced to enable technology for instance for their people for their employees to work from home you know uh, when uh, lockdown measures were imposed that accelerated a massive transformation program for companies so in, in a similar way you know, we, we'll have to, companies and, and households will, will have to think about, you know, how they're going to um, get that energy going forward. What have you seen businesses trying to do? Like you say, some, you know, some people are working hybrid. We ourselves work hybrid. Um, I've heard some friends who, you know, worked in the centre of town where big offices are now sort of being closed down and things are changing. But it's very difficult, you know, you're a manufacturer, you're you're a freezer business or whatever. You can't suddenly just stop using your freezer. So have you seen anything going on? Have you seen sort of trends that kind of businesses are doing? Or is there any kind of advice you can give around how people can try and navigate through this this cost uh, issue right now? I I think many suppliers have obviously tried to um, have a very prescriptive way for companies to transition to be more more energy efficient, etc. But I, I don't think there is a single a single measure or a, a, a single recipe for um, designing coming up with a new a new way to be more efficient. Um, you can do a number of things, and again, 
probably you, some of your previous um, guests have already discussed, you know, the measures that can be implemented, the quick wins, if you like, in terms of, you know, changing uh, your, your lightning, uh, you know, switching off uh, things here and there. That is obviously, if you move then to the energy services space where you rely on technology, you rely on sensors and, uh, you know, demand yeah. response. Yeah. Yes. You, so you're talking about probably a different industry now. Uh, where you have a different type of player. So that is, for instance, the area in which our Centric Business Solutions uh, division operates in. We, as a suppliers, we are, you know, there is a still, uh, we believe that there is a still room for, uh, you know, old-fashioned supply business for a period of time, but we all need to change. Uh, and that, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? We're going to have to change. Someone, yes. you know, some market analysts have said, and I'm not going to hold you to this because who knows, but people are talking about not just six, seven, eight, maybe maybe 10 quarters of, of these high prices. You know, um, you could be looking, some are even saying, to, the, to towards the end of 27, 28 before we see any reduction. But no one can predict, can they? Then? But that's the thing. You know, you could say, well, this is the new normal, high prices, higher inflation, all of these things. But we, we, don't, we don't really know, do we? I think what's different this time, uh, although we haven't seen, obviously, these, these are unprecedented. The adjectives, I've run out of adjectives now, and, and the analysts as well, I think. We, we always, you know, record-breaking heights, etc. The, the difference is that we have other issues going on in the global economy, you know, inflation. We, we still have... Um, disruptions to supply chains. Uh, so there is a lot going on, you know, interest rates, for instance, all of that, plus your energy crisis is, is a recipe for, for, for disaster. I think I was reading, uh, reading some, some articles about, you know, the, the UK, especially the UK economy, if we are not able to put a housing order with a new, a new, well, a new prime minister now, um, then probably, you know, the UK economy is in danger. I think someone said that, you know, it could even collapse, you know, it's, it's serious. What is happening yeah. at the moment is, is quite serious. It's not, it's, it's not just one thing. You know, we had the financial crisis, remember, back in 2008, 2009, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when the UK financial system was at the brink of collapse and it could have brought back, you know, it could have, and many, not just banking businesses, but yeah, the whole system. yeah, the whole system, yeah, absolutely, the whole system. And then, then the intervention. But then we've had you know the double whammy of COVID, and now the prices, yeah. and then the war. There's a lot of things going on. So this period so, of high inflation yeah. and high interest rates are, 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 are unique. Plus, you know, the energy crisis are, and the geopolitics uh, as well is just unique. Yeah. Uncharted waters, as they say. What do you think this will do around net zero plans and sustainability? Because like I said, one theory is that this will encourage people to do more, and I, I hope that's the way. The other is people go, you know what? That goes out the window. I'm not going to invest in in solar or batteries. Well, I'm not going to make any. I just need to keep the roof over my head and keep my business or my public, you know, keep it going. Where, where, where do you sit on this? I think in the short term, it's going to make it difficult or more wow. difficult for companies uh, to find the, the funding for, you know, solar panels, battery, yeah. et cetera, because 
the, the other issue is, is supply disruptions to supply chains as well. If you, I'm mm. not sure if you, you try this, but if you want to install solar panels in your premises these days, you no, it's probably looking... a two-year waiting list or something. Exactly, like that, exactly. So, so there are things that are out of your control at the moment. Um, so, in the short term, probably businesses will be more more pragmatic and and, and will try to get you know a steady supply from a from a from a sort of a stable and solid uh, energy supplier as well because that's the other question you know uh, how many of these suppliers are uh, probably you know struggling themselves um and then but in the long run yes i mean there is no other way i think and we energy suppliers we in that transition period as well where we're going right now i suppose into this winter period is the one that's the real thing, you know. And you've had Pettigrew, the boss of National Grid, talking about, you know, maybe turning off between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. We've had various things. Of course, we have no idea because A, a the weather's been mild, B, we're, we're constantly changing in terms of what we've got in terms of storage. We don't know what demand will be like, that depends on how things are. And also we have no idea what, the new Sunak administration will do in terms of trying to ease burdens and, and things like that. And you know, Vanda, you're a markets person. That confidence thing can change things a lot, right? But many businesses will be thinking, I just got to get through this winter. I can't expect you to predict, but what, what would you say some things you could do to try and just protect yourself and, and make sure you're, you're across what's happening? Just being informed, I suppose. Yes, I think the first thing is to look into the details of the energy bill relief scheme. So reading the legislation or reading the, the, the plan in place uh, suggests that, you know, the government wants to incentivize companies to, to fix uh, their, their contracts, at least for this winter, and then see, see, see what happens afterwards. But in terms of energy supply... Things are slowly, I know, <laughs> slowly returning to some sort of normality. Remember, we had unprecedented problems in France as well with half of the nuclear power plants offline for maintenance. So that those, those power plants will come back online uh, in, in the coming weeks and, and, and months, uh, especially obviously winter. And, and that hopefully will, uh, you know, uh, provide more stability as well. Again, the... There is another unprecedented event that is happening in, in the UK is that we have, the UK has become a net exporter of power. That Again, that's, that was uh, unthinkable, uh, but that's likely to reverse uh, once all of these uh, uh, nuclear pl plants in, in France actually come back online, probably in early 2023. So there is, in terms of supply, uh, you know, the lights going out, uh, blackout, I, I don't think that's likely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's, a, I mean, look, I think people have to say it and, hey, we might be wrong, we have to sit with candles, but I can't really see that happening for us. But no, I think, I think National Grid has a duty, obviously, to provide scenarios and, and one extreme scenario is, is the, you know, there is always the risk, if you like. Mm. Um, but again, looking at, you know, what's, what's, what's happening every day in terms of you know uh, news coming from europe uh you know we have massive battery storage as well in the uk that obviously not not necessarily 
available in the next few months, but the the, the trend is towards that. And, and we have more wind energy as well coming online. And that's what our prediction is that 2023 is going to be the greenest year ever in the UK. Finally, let's let's get let's end on a positive. Um you, you touched it there. We are building more, aren't we? We're building more. We we'll see what happens, but you know, there's a commitment to more nuclear, there's a commitment to more wind, uh, solar, more hydro, uh, you know, whether we explore a bit more oil and gas that's that's local rather than importing it. Things things will start to stabilize eventually. Um, do you feel that, you know, once we get through this, however long it is, next couple of years, maybe whatever, but th- there'll be a, a real uh, way of us saying, actually, we're, we're securing ourselves um, as, much, as best we can uh, from these, these huge energy spikes that the markets have. Because, and I think many countries will be doing the same thing. More and more people need to have a better level of energy independence. There are, I think you mentioned already some of the technology, but there are a wide range of initiatives, uh, including hydrogen as well, and, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and other technologies. And, and they're just, you know, becoming more popular. As I said, you know, we understand from our customers and from uh, surveys on, on businesses, um, more and more interest on, on new technologies. And and how to be independent. I think that's the key question, just in the same way that a few years ago, you might remember this summit where there was business continuity programs, for instance, in in case of a a terrorist attack or something. So companies decide, oh, we're going to have our servers, you know, uh, located in in, in different parts of of the country. We're going to ensure that our workforce can be operational even if the office is closed. And this was before COVID. Huh? So this is a, a few years ago. So on something similar is likely to happen with energy. How can we operate if, you know, if we are all of a the sudden there is no, uh, you know, there, or, or there is less energy being produced or less energy coming from Europe, for instance. Uh, so, so I think this will force companies and households as well to be more, more independent. Vanda, thank you very much for that. It's been a great pleasure having a chat. Um, we'll include a link to your report for people to download. So that if, they, if they want to, that, that, that will help so they can get an idea of what's going on. But I, as I say, you know, you know, if it is stormy waters, make sure you've got your, uh, your, your waterproofs on, Vanda, as you navigate the next few months. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity summit and, you know, pleasure to talk to you. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Cheers. You have been listening to a Future Net Zero podcast along with our partner, British Gas. This has been a promoted podcast. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.